Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. Today we have the final part of my conversation with Andre Dolnikov of Binyan Studios. In this final section, Andre talks about the importance of family, religion, as well as some final thoughts on business focus. I hope you enjoy it. Now, look, I just wanted to take a sidestep and just move away from the, the business side of things. And I'd like to find out a little bit more about, I guess, business is a, is a huge part of obviously your day-to-day life. But to have a successful business, you've got to have a strong sort of family that supports you. And you as well, you know, you vice versa. You want to be there for your family as well. Tell me, how do you manage your time now to enable you to, you know, or to protect that time with your family? Look, I mean, obviously, COVID last seven, eight months, a, a completely different story. I'll maybe talk about both briefly. I've worked very hard in my business to make sure I'm typically not the person on the deadlines. Like the clients aren't calling me chasing up something. I have extremely talented people who do that. So I try to be available when I need to be for the family. Like, so for example, you know, I try to be home for dinner at seven. If I have to do work later, I'll, I'll go sign on later and, and do work. I mean, for me, I think of life in terms of like sort of projects and family is the most important project that you could not, if, it, if that falls apart, that doesn't go well, doesn't go successfully. What, what's the point of everything else in my mind? Does that mean I never neglect my family? Of course not. I mean, like, you know, I, uh, sometimes it's my, I, you know, I work too hard for a little while. Um, not because, and I, I don't like to take those, oh, I'm such a martyr. No, I'm not a martyr. I, I like working hard. And sometimes I like working late. Like, like I don't want to be the poor me, you know, thing, but I really love being with my family. So one of the things I guess for me, that's always been, I would say the most important thing is I'm a Orthodox Hasidic Jewish person. So Shabbat, Sabbath is absolutely, literally sacrosanct, literally sunset Friday night, all my phone, all my devices are off. And for those 25 hours till sunset, the stars come out on Saturday night. I'm completely offline in every way. Literally, literally, even if, I mean, if someone's dying, of course, but like, no matter what the deadline is, clients and my team know some of them love that time because I don't email them for 25 hours. So that is a time for me and my family. Now I'm probably, I'm pretty wiped out. So Friday night, I I usually like a bit tired, but we always entertain. We have guests, we have like, it's, it's a real family time. So that Saturday time, I think goes a long way to helping make sure I, I stay connected to what it's really all about. That's my family, myself, my own spirituality, people and friends. Life is not just business. Like seriously, it's not. And if you think it is, I think you're a bit sad. Well, I, or at least talking to myself, if I, if I become like that or when I become, there's periods when I become like that, not good, not good. I'm not happy with myself then. Then Sunday is like, you know, I usually, uh, so, so Shabbat, Sabbath, I'm like a bit more like recharge. And then Sunday, I'll, you know, family time, you know, I, you know, I'll do a little bit of work like in the morning, like, but it's the weekend. Plus what I've done over the last couple of years is I've been traveling international a lot. So last two years before this one, my wife, Miriam and I, we did a vacation to Italy together for two weeks in the middle of the year, like just leave the kids with someone. 
my parents or babysitter. I'll tell you offline how well that went, but we're learning. We're developing the processes and the accountability there. But, you know, we did that. I like Tim Ferriss's podcast. I'm not big on the four-hour work week, the concept, but one of the things he says there don't wait till you retire to do the things you like will do when you retire. So I'm like vacation to Italy with my beautiful wife doing it now. Did that twice. We're going to do it this year too, but obviously not this year, but it's the number one thing for me, even though not always does it get the number one priority, but in like, in my priorities, that is the most important thing. No, no, it does. It makes perfect sense. And and the reason why I ask it and, and why I feel like it's so important is because when you look at sort of, business mentality, it often seems to come at the expense of other things. And, you know, sometimes it is almost expected that, you know, you've got to pour 110% into just your business. And and you kind of go, well, what toll does that take on everybody else around you? And and are you a good and a happy person because of it? So it's, it's, yeah. um, you, I think you need to have that sort of perspective that you're juggling quite a few balls in life. And, and if you're dropping one that's family, then you know, you're probably not going to be left with much that enables you to appreciate the fact that you're succeeding in business because you're, you're, you know, you're alone. Yeah. I mean, certainly life is not about money. Certainly life is not about when you're dead and they're talking at your eulogy at your funeral, they're not going to say, wow, everybody, let's think back to that wonderful business deal that guy made or that Mm. time he had to schedule two projects at once. And somehow he's like, then I'm going to talk about that. They're going to talk about you as a person and doing something meaningful. Like, like I was at one point able to help a friend with his business financially, like to get him back on his feet, something happened. And it it actually helped with other aspects of his life. Don't go into much detail, but Mm. it's one of the proudest things. And it's like, guys, honestly, when things are going crap, I'm like, if everything falls apart, I'll still have that because that's one of the things I, I, I don't need to explain it. I don't need to do it. It was genuinely a good thing that was able to do in this world. And that's family. So so having, raising children, and again, I'm no model parent by any means, but, you know, like everybody else, we have the ups and downs and and we're constantly learning. But if you achieve that, that is amazing. The business also has meaning to it. Of course, it's not nothing. But for me, I also like, I don't like the concept of life-work balance. I think more about life-work integration. So that vacation was like conference and vacation plus integration in the sense of, meaning. I want to do the kind of work that brings me meaning that makes me a more elevated person so that I can be that way for my family. I want to have a good dynamic with my children, with my family, my parents, with my friends, with my wife. So I bring that energized and positively wired self into my business. Cannot compartmentalize life like that. You're one person. You can't have one life, one part of life is just about money. Another part is just the meaning. The meaning has to flow across. The success of the business has to flow into your life as well. The success of your personal life. It's all one integrated thing for me. I'm not saying I've mastered this at all, but that's like my aspiration, you know? You touched on your weekend and the way you shut off your, you know, you you try not to use technology. So these are part of... You know, I don't routines. try to. I do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing it. I can that's be absolute about. Yeah, Mary. that's done. <laughs> so, I mean, what are some of the other things that during the week do you have, you know, rituals and routines throughout the week that set you up for, you know, really good sort of days, not just do work days? Yeah, but, you know, good, good question. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes these don't happen for months at a time, keep in mind, but when I'm in a good groove. So firstly, like, 
again, probably not the last few weeks, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, waking up early is important yeah. so that I, you know, be part of my religion, we pray in the morning. So a bit of prayer, some of, you know, studying some, some like ancient texts to do with like spirituality, Kabbalah, like that sort of stuff. I mean, I know it sounds a bit gimmicky, but it's not like it's actually part of our tradition. And it's just something to take your mind off from the mundane and, and elevate it into something that's a little bit beyond, you know, something that's eternal. So you put your mind in that space from the outset. So prayer is also, you know, about gratitude. It's about kind of centering yourself. Again, do I do that every day? I mean, I do the prayer every day, but does it actually have that effect every day? No, because it's on me to be mindful and focused to make sure it does. But that's, you're asking a perfect day here. So this is a perfect day. I always have a coffee. Sometimes I have more than one, but usually just one. But like, I need that really, really good coffee. <laughs> so in New York, where I was traveling, the, the coffee shop near where I usually stay closed. So I had a big dilemma there. My coffee uh. was like <laughs> indispensable. To, it's like start button on my brain. And my wife for, for my 40th got this incredible home coffee machine, like a full on Italian with a all that yeah. stuff. It's just awesome. Since COVID started, I jog typically in the morning or sometimes it might be in the afternoon. So for sleep is important. Now, again, <laughs> it's like I'm saying all the things I should be doing. I go through periods where I do it all well, but then like anybody, you, you know, but getting a proper sleep is very, very important. It really makes you perform at your best. I owe it to my colleagues and my clients and my family and myself to be, be at my best. Sleep is a big part of that, having that rigor. And since COVID started, I picked up the saxophone, which I used to play. I used to play it 20 years ago and I hadn't, but I just, I started getting lessons. I play every day, about 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour. Again, it's just, you know, the beauty of creativity and, and art doing something artistic or musical or something that it doesn't have a point to it. It's just doing it for the pleasure and the experience of the moment. You know, you're playing something, you're activating because I think, look, what I don't want to become, like I never thought I would be this kind of guy. I've become a bit like that, but I still try to keep it at bay as much as possible. It's kind of like goal orientated, task, checklist, deliverables, milestones, go, 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 go. Like sometimes I'm going to time out that part of my brain. I am good at that. I'm very good at that. But as some of you just sit there, pause. I'm just going to like doodle on my saxophone. I'm going to read a book. You know, I've got, I read the New Yorker or I always print out a few articles for the weekend to read, like reading about American history or nothing to do. I have tons of business books right here on the shelf, but I sometimes will go like, I don't want to look at another business book. So I'll literally like cover them, turn them around. I want to read literature. I want to read Dylan Thomas. I want to read about like art history, like stuff that just engages another aspect of my being, which is very important to me. And I typically listen to a lot of jazz all the time. So, you know, I'm kind of peppering my work self with other things to keep me when I look back at a day going, what did I do today? Okay. I did some business things. Some three emergencies came up. I deal with those fine, fine. Good at that. But I also like, you know, practice a new song. I went for a walk with my wife, which we have later today. We have like a date we go on. So I try to be serious about these other things because if you're only serious about business, it will all be business. You need to be serious about family, serious about your personal development, serious about your spirituality, serious about your friendships and your other relationships. Otherwise, they will all atrophy. And I, I try to maintain that strongly. It's a mix of actually making time. So trying to treating it a little bit like a business function, like the date, the walk with my wife is in my calendar. But then yeah. also when a friend calls me up or I go, I'm going to call them, 
I don't look at what's next. I'm like, I like, I, of course I don't want to, you know, be late to something, but like this phone call has no purpose other than to have a human interaction with that individual who is a mm. close friend. Business teaches you that everything is a means to an end, means to an end. And that's where you should have your, you know, everything leads to something else. Mm. But in life, not everything is a means to an end. This is the end. That conversation, that thought, that book, that friend, that whatever, that walk with your son or your daughter, that is all there is to it. It doesn't lead to anything beyond it has its own inherent value. Whereas in business, most things don't have an inherent value. They're always because of something else. And if your whole life is all about everything's a means to some other hypothetical end, I think you're going to end up pretty unhappy. I don't want to end up unhappy. I'm 40. I'm right in the midlife crisis. Yeah, don't get that motorbike. <laughs> I already did that. <laughs> you did it. That's my, my saxophone. No, I did that and I stopped. I fell off uh, after three years. It was a great three years, but my saxophone is my, is my motorbike. Oh, very good. <laughs> All right, we'll just ask you a couple more questions that look a bit in the past and then look forward. When you're, I guess, at the, at the top of your game, and, and uh, I'm pretty safe to say that I think you are, where do you look for in terms of, you know, gaps and where to sort of innovate in your business? Where do you look to say, okay, this is an area that's being underutilized, underserviced, or it doesn't exist yet? How do you look to find them? Look, we're pretty plugged in to, you know, to our client's world, to what's happening in industry. So we don't usually go like, what's new? What are we going to do next year that's new? There's so many things that we always have. If anything, we're trying to, we have these like strategic planning sessions that happen. There's one big one once a year, and then we do one every quarter. There's always too many things that we have to cut it down to five guys. That's one of the things of our second business coach. Yeah, we have a few mantras like, like, he's like, you have 20 things you want to do. And he, he was American. He would go like, do you have the resources to do all of them? No, Sheldon. What are you going to do? We're like, we're going to prioritize Sheldon. So we, we know how to do that. So there's no shortage of like, you know, and we also don't want to run after the next shiny thing because, oh, everyone else doing it. Everyone, uh, you know, Apple were not the first to design an MP3 player, but they did the best. So I'm more worried about being the best. When we do it, we want to do it the best. You know, we've done last couple of years looking at the, you know, the terms of like interactive apps, but we want to like blow everybody out of the water on that. You know, we don't want to, and yes, they've been around for ages, but not the way we do it. So we don't need to have a think tank about it. We have a lot of super inspired people. This is like part of our culture. Our culture is about limitlessness, lead the conversations. So there's a lot of people who are proposing cool things to do. It's a matter of prioritizing and resourcing them. That's the mechanism that exists for us. Yeah, so it's almost like, you know, the product exists. It's just putting your IP into it and just taking it to a, a whole nother level. It depends what the product is. So let's say the whole, like we become really like, I would say the world kind of leaders in the immersive digital experience in the sales center side of things. I mean, that's like, I'm not being very humble about it, but I think we've done some incredible and some of the best things we've done, they're going to be launching like in the next month or two. So I'm super blown away by like in terms of digital art, design bringing real creativity in it so it's not just a sales gallery with stuff on the wall and a few touch screens we're real genuine like look we went to a you know an exhibition at the national gallery of victoria and got this idea about projection mapping and that became like a whole like it, that's crazy in that space it's about finding an area we're very passionate about our clients will be passionate about it, and there's just so much room to grow there so much room so it's about putting in now we're, you know, we're making a interactive team. Now that's right now a little somewhat, 
abstract. It's like a few people, a bit of them, but that's something that definitely we're going to double down on. And like, I know what we're going to be creating. We're still in, even though what we're doing now is amazing. Like I know we're going to be creating three years. We're going to make what we do now look like analog, you know, because it's a whole other, like, kind of like the clouds of clear, like, you know, Oh my God, there's like a whole thing there we could do. Ah, Jerry, you know, like it's crazy. It's very exciting now. Like, okay, let's, let's do it step by step. You know, business isn't just about like coming up with new products. If anything, a lot of times I see people in other businesses that go, we're launching a new product. You dig a bit deeper. It's because their core product doesn't work for us. We want to, on the one hand, grow and develop, but always also evolve and improve and perfect our core product. Cause I see it as a foundation upon which you build, not a screw that. We're not interested. Let's do something new and shiny here. You know, that's my view of it. Just on that. Mm. So you're obviously guided by what you can see your, your clients needs are, and it starts to evolve from that. And you seem to have like some rules and thoughts about, you know, when you can actually double down on a particular business stream. Have you ever strayed away from that and then found yourself in a position where it just it's just hasn't actually panned out the way you, you'd hoped? And Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, to be honest, like a good example would be, yeah, almost every time we haven't followed our own kind of ethos. Sometimes you have to learn the lesson over and over again until <laughs> <laughs> the penny drops. So like uh, just something as simple as, um, you know, Unreal and Real Time, I think three, if not four years ago, we had a pretty nice looking unreal walk your way around the apartment thing. We were able to do it. I had it. I had a demo. Literally couldn't sell one of them. What I think, I guess the clients weren't ready for it. We didn't find a place for where it should fit in the sales process. And we didn't think about that. We just said like, hey, we can do this now. Do you want it? And I'm a pretty good salesman of our product. And nonetheless, I, w- I had a success rate of like zero. <laughs> so I stopped trying. Now we are doing it, but it, it had to come in a different way at the right time in the right context. Definitely sometimes taking on projects that are beyond, like we are good at certain kinds of projects, other kind we're not as good at. So if it's a big, I don't know, sometimes it's like a project with a client that you got to design as you go, make a gazillion changes, like... And we end up saying yes for whatever reason, and then it becomes difficult. And we try to minimize those, even though sometimes for the client relationship or for that some sort of outcome later you take it. But you got to be comfortable with who you are and, and do kind of projects that speak to your superpowers and maybe leave other things for other people. You, you don't always see that at the outset. Yeah, so the key is trying to be focused and true to... I guess your business self rather. Yeah. Play to your strengths. Like if you're in basketball, yeah. you know, if, if you've got a lot of height in your team, you play that way. And if you've got a lot of little guys that can shoot and, you know, run around really quickly, play that way. Don't switch it up. Do you find you say no to a heap of stuff these days? Like it just doesn't fit um, the way you want to run it? We do, but usually no is in the form of we can't do the timeline you want or pricing, but we always try to manage that no effectively so that the client doesn't feel like we're saying no, because we don't want to work with them. We may just not be right for this particular opportunity. Mm. Very important to manage that relationship through the no, but yeah, we do. Of course we do. I mean, like we're thankfully busy, but you know, I want to make sure if we lose a job, I want it to be either on time frame or price. I never want to lose it on quality. I never want to lose it on the relationship. Certainly could never do all the work that we get inquiries for not even close. Oh, very good. All right, Andrew, well, look, I'd like to just wrap this up by asking you one final question. You know, looking back to your 2007 self when you first began, 
uh, I don't know if you can boil it down into into one thing, but if you had a bit of advice for the start of a business, knowing what you know now, what would you say that would be? I thought about this one. In a certain sense, if I knew then what I know now, I may not have done some of the things that I did, which were maybe a function of some naivety or nothing to lose kind of approach. That So I, I kind of needed to not know them. So I don't know if I'd be heavy on the advice. Experienced business people will come, will come to you and they'll give you this like heavy duty advice and like, oh yeah, it's your story. I've got my story. So I may not have had the guts to do what I needed to do back then to get to where I am now if I, if my now self would have told my then self what to do. But if I were to think of something, I think things like be realistic how long the ups and the downs last for. Don't assume when you're in an upswing period, don't assume it lasts forever. Make sure you're prepared and resilient for when it dips down and then make sure you have a plan to recover quickly. And, you know, we become really good at that, but it's something that we have to learn. Yeah. Any challenge can be overcome. I definitely have that steeliness to me these days. Like, I mean, I still get anxious and I get, you know, I can get stressed, but, you know, just knowing that like, there's nothing you can't overcome if you have the right attitude and the right people in the team. In some sense, I would ask the question other way. Maybe I would like to ask my day one self to give advice to my today self. And maybe I need some of his uh, craziness. <laughs> not that I'm not crazy enough, but, but so I, uh, sorry, I didn't answer your question directly, but uh, it's, it's, it's not that straightforward. I think everything happens at the right time. So you need the mindset of day one on day one. If you bring a day 1000 mindset to a day one task, you'll never achieve that task. I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people don't get beyond it because they've read so many bloody business books that they think they know all the potential big things, but there's something just by taking the risk of doing something great that you need to do. And then you're not going to read that in any business book. No, you have absolutely answered the question. And I think it's so important and so encouraging to know that it's not necessarily about knowing everything and being prepared because, I mean, I've often thought that, you know, with the things that I've started had I have known, I probably would have taken a lot longer to make that decision. And sometimes, you know, the best thing is to just give it a crack and, and just, yeah. you, like you said, it comes down to some personal qualities like resilience and grit and persistence that maybe those are sort of the, um, you know, maybe it's a quality rather than a, a knowledge factor that means that you yeah. should actually give it a go. Fantastic. It's just been an absolutely fascinating conversation. I, I can't thank you enough for sharing your, your insights. Oh, pleasure. That was the final part of this episode. I trust you got a lot out of Andre's insights and experiences. With someone of Andre's caliber at the helm, it's not hard to see why Binyan is the success that it is. If you've enjoyed the episode, I'd be interested to know your thoughts on the content. So please take the time to leave a comment on the podcast website, businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next month. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Business and Property Development. Join us next month for more insights from people whose business is property. To subscribe and listen to other episodes, head over to businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au.